Deborah and I can tell you lots of stories about mission trips and reaching out to others, but the best thing I can tell you is to get involved. Get involved in your community. If you feel like God is calling you on a mission to go around the world, by all means, go. If he's calling you next door, go. The point is, go where you're called. Grow where you're planted. Um, I had told Mary last week that <clears throat> there wasn't no sense in changing the pastor's name in the bulletin today because it'd be the same. But they put my name in there anyway. But I want you to know that I'm, I'm not David Slayton now. He's, he's the older guy with the thinning hair. Sorry, <laughs> honey. I just had to say that. I'm sorry. Um, and we want to praise the band and Velshera. You did such a great job this morning. I feel like I could just say a prayer and leave. We've already been blessed by the music that we've heard. Uh, a great beginning to a worship service. And, and I promise I'll try to have it ended by 1 o'clock and get you out of here so you can go have lunch. I recall a time back in the 70s when there was a movement going on that everybody was searching for themselves and people were searching for God. And then I heard an old country preacher say, well, why are they searching for God? He ain't never been lost. It's not God that's lost. It's we who are lost. We don't have to search for God. And there's a great truth in that. He's always here with us. He's, he's always there. Let me share a story with you this morning about Saddam Gedharth. Now, I probably murdered the pronunciation of his name, but it don't matter because he'd been dead for years, so you can't sue me. But <clears throat> he was the founder of Buddhism. And as a young man, he wanted to know where God was. He wanted to find God. So he traveled about through the villages, asking everyone, where is God? Where can I find God? Where is he? Show me God. Let me see him. I want to know where he's at. He asked everyone he could see, and he was told to go to a village where he would encounter an old man on the outskirts of the village. This was a wise old man, and he could certainly answer any questions that he might have. The man talked for a long time, but could clearly see that he was not getting through to this young man. He could clearly see that he wasn't going to be able to tell him where God was. After a while, in desperation, he grabbed him away by the back of his neck and forced his face into the creek where they were sitting on the creek side and pushed his face in the water. And no matter how hard the boy struggled and tried, he couldn't get up. He couldn't get free from the grip. His face was in the water. His lungs were burning from one of oxygen, and he knew that he was going to die. At the very last second, the old man jerked the boy from the water and said, when you seek God, when you want God as much as you wanted that breath of air, you will find him. And I can say to you, we don't have to find God. We only have to want him. We only have to open our hearts and allow Jesus to come inside and we'll find God. He's not lost. You don't have to look for him. He's right there with you. He's with us all the time. Christian life takes place in a real world affected by the consequences of sin. I grew up in a farm community in Smith County, a little community called Rich Valley, just across the mountain from Hungry Mother State Park, if you know where Hungry Mother State Park is. My father worked in the mines in Saltville 
and farmed. We were primarily a poor family. I'm the youngest of seven children. But you know, I don't remember ever being hungry in my life. And I didn't realize that we were poor people until after I'd been gone from home several years. I didn't even realize that, that I had grown up in a poor family. Uh, we went to church on Sundays. Um, then one Sunday evening, um, I went forward to church in the Sunday evening service and gave my life to Christ along with my best friend and cousin, Sonny Worley. Sonny would later be killed in Vietnam. Now, <clears throat> I'd like to tell you that from the time I was 16, that I remained faithful to my Lord and Savior. But that, unfortunately, I can't tell you that. You see, I found this sinful world that we talked about. Uh, 17, right out of high school, I joined the Army. And I found that world filled with obstacles to God's grace. But thank God I read in Romans 5.20 that where sin abound, there does grace more abound. There is more grace in your life than sin. You have to accept the grace of God. That country preacher and the founder of Buddhism and you and I know that God's mercy and grace follow us throughout our life. They follow us. Have you ever been hounded by something or someone? Now, now man, don't look at your wife and say, oh yeah, I know what it's like to be hounded. That won't do you any good today. Don't do that. But, but I mean relentlessly sought after, pursued to do this or do that. God's mercy and grace have been referred to by some writers as the hounds of heaven because they continually seek you, they continually search for you, continually call you to our Lord. You know, when, you, when you're out in public and you get this urge to do something good, it's the Holy Spirit of God calling you, inviting you to do good for people. Just to speak to someone on the street sometimes is uplifting to that person. You never know what that person's in need of. It's that calling to follow Christ or that nudge to get back on the straight and narrow. You know, you probably did not respond to the Holy Spirit the first time he called you. If you'll think back in your life when you first walked the aisle and came to be saved, you probably came to service maybe 20 or 30 or maybe 100 times before you decided today is the day that I'm going to go forward and ask Christ into my life. But... You didn't follow him that first time that the Spirit called you. But he did not give up. His mercy and grace followed us. And it's the mercy and grace of God that brought us here today. Jesus said in Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. Now, I don't read in here anywhere that I have to find him. I read here that the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. He came looking for you. The Holy Spirit is with you. He seeks you out every day to come to Christ. Sinners are constantly being pursued and wooed to come to Christ. Mercy and grace, the hounds of heaven. Aren't you glad for them? There are two primary obstacles to God's grace. Those that hinder a relationship with God and those that hinder our relationship with other people, with our church and our church family. I want to give you some examples of the obstacles to God's grace. You can write them in that cross on the back of your bulletin. Write them in the vertical part, the hollow part. 
I'm not going to expound on each one of these. There are several I want to bring to your attention. Um, idolatry. Worshiping and serving fake gods. Now, friends, I don't think that any of us are going to go out here and worship a totem pole like we see some people do. But it's easy to get pulled off, to get pulled aside to worship something other than God. An idol is anything that draws you away from worshiping your God, anything that draws you from his spirit. Blaspheming, using God's name in vain, speaking against God. Blaspheming has been called a sin unto death. I believe that if you continue to resist the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit calls you to come to Christ. I believe that if you continue to resist that calling, that the Holy Spirit may sooner or later give up on you and your heart becomes so hardened that you don't hear his calling anymore. Resisting God, refusing to obey his will, refusing the prompting of the Holy Spirit, refusing to teach Sunday school because you think you don't know enough, you think you're not good enough. Ignoring God, simply not making time for God in our lives and breaking the Sabbath for ourselves and our families. You know, when I was a child growing up in Rich Valley, there was never a question what we were going to do on Sunday. You know, now the parents have to wonder, well, am I going to take my child to soccer practice or to the baseball game or they got to play? And, and they seem to do that on Sunday morning. But back then, when I was growing up, there was no question where you're going on Sunday. If it was Sunday morning, you were going to church. Uh, there was no question about it. Um, but just uh, ignoring God and not going to church, not keeping your faith in God. Disobedience. Intentionally rejecting the relationship that God offers us and failing to develop the talents and abilities God has given us. You can find that in Luke 19, 11 through 27. You've heard the old uh, familiar phrase, if you don't use it, you lose it. Friends, our faith needs to be put into practice. People need to know that we have faith in our God and our Lord. Believe me, there are things in this world, the sins of the world are drawing them away. And you and I need to draw them to Christ. We need to assist the Holy Spirit. Unbelief. Need I explain unbelief? Some people are never going to believe anything. And some people believe everything. I think it was Barnum and Bailey who once said, you can fool some of the people some of the time, but you can't fool all the people all the time. Listen, we have to believe. We have to show our friends and neighbors that we believe. Our society today readily uses scriptures to confirm our history. It's a history book, but... Most of society refuses to accept the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They use the scriptures for everything else, but not to accept Christ. Ignorance. I don't want to say too much about ignorance because it hits too close to home. There's a lot of things I don't know. There are mysteries in the Bible. But listen, there's no excuse for you and I not knowing God's word. You have the Bible. You have all sorts of tapes now. You, have, you can Google anything you want on your, your computer at home. There's no reason and no excuse for us not knowing God's word. Um, the Holy Scriptures, the, the uh, 
complete Old and New Testament has been printed in some 600 languages. The New Testament is printed in some five or 1,500 languages. Did you know there were that many languages in the world? Listen, there are over 6,000 languages in our society. Mandarin Chinese being the one that's used the most. I would have thought it'd be English, but it's not the case. So there's no excuse for anybody not knowing God's word. Our pride, our pride in ourself, focusing our attention on ourselves rather than giving honor and glory to God by being here on Sunday morning, by worshiping him, by joining with our community and doing the good and the things that we can for our community. Um, Unforgiveness. That's a whole Bible study within itself. Unforgiveness. If we do not forgive, we cannot be forgiven. It's in Matthew, the sixth chapter of Matthew 9 through 15. If we do not forgive those who trespass against us, we cannot ask God for his forgiveness to forgive us for our sins against him and against others. What about the obstacles to our relationship with others? One is murder. It's not good to murder your neighbors. They, they frown on that anymore. Um, but as I told the children this morning, um, you can murder or seriously wound someone psychologically, emotionally, even spiritually. It's not just physical murder. Uh, you can really hurt someone by talking about them. Addiction and abuse. You already know that addiction and abuse can take many, many forms. Addiction to drugs, to alcohol, addiction to Facebook. You can be addicted to a lot of things. Um, But it can cause many problems in your family between you and your Lord. Lying, saying things that we know to be untrue. You know, we I think our society has come to the point that lying is generally accepted. Have you noticed that? If you think lying is not accepted, look at your commercials on TV. (laughs) Or listen to your politicians, maybe. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to mix politicians and religion. Um, You know, um, sometimes we inadvertently teach our children to lie. Has your child ever heard you call in sick to go fishing? Has your child ever heard you say, If that's for me, don't answer. I don't want to talk to him. Or had your child ever heard you say, who's that at the door? Tell him I'm not here. I don't want to talk to him. You know, inadvertently, innocently, we teach our children these bad habits as we go through life. Uh, Gossip or slander. Here again, we could talk for hours about gossip and slander. We talked this morning about the old saying that sticks and stones. Words do hurt, friends. Words hurt people's character. They hurt your feelings. Have you ever said something to someone and, and immediately felt this pain in your heart because you knew you hurt that person and you didn't mean to do that? You didn't mean to hurt that person? But like this toothpaste that came out of the tube, once that word comes out of your mouth, you can't take it back. It's out there. It's gone. You can't withdraw it. And people are hurt by your words. Jesus said in Matthew 15, 11, Listen, 
and understand that it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles the man, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles him. There was a lot of discussion back in those days about what they should eat and what they should not eat and what the Gentiles ate and what the Jews ate. And, and Jesus said, listen, friends, it's not what you eat that's going to cause you problems and pain in life, and that's what, not what's going to make you, um, apart from God, it's what you say that's going to hurt you in your life. It's not what goes into your mouth, it's what comes out of your mouth. Coveting, refusing to be satisfied with what you have. And I have to say that I've been guilty of that in my life. You know, I have a good car, a nice car, but I'll see another one. looks newer and better, and I want that one. I just got to have that new car, that shiny new car. You know, you can't take any of this with you. You know that, don't you? And, and if that shiny new car tempts you now, go look at the junkyard because those, all those junk cars... We're shiny new cars a few years back. Refusing to be satisfied with what you have. You know, it's like, it's like we talked about growing where you're planted. Be satisfied with what God gives you. Is it wrong to want a bigger house or a better house? No. No, it's not. Is it wrong to want a car that you can depend on to drive back and forth to work? No, it's not. No, don't hear me saying that. But it's wrong if that's your entire focus is on that car or on that house. Or if you have to work uh, extra hours in, in a day and a week to pay for that, if you have to take away from your family and take away from your church to, to, to get that car or house, then that's when you begin to have a problem. Laziness. I'm guilty of that sometimes too, aren't you? <clears throat> it, it's easy just to, to get stuck in a groove where you're comfortable and, and watching something on TV or maybe in the morning on Sunday morning when you roll over and Realize you've got to get up and think, oh, boy, just five more minutes. My wife is famous for five more minutes. I think I'm going to put that on her tombstone because every time I turn around, she's saying, five more minutes. But, but we're, we're guilty of not wanting to get up and get motivated and, and get out and do the things that we know that God is calling us to do. Things in our everyday life, the simple things, things that helping other people. Um, dishonor. We create so many obstacles to grace in our life when we dishonor our parents, our spouses, our children, our relationship with others. It, it's like the spoken word. Once you insult a person or dishonor a person, you really can't get that back. <clears throat> we need to be respectful of one another in our life. But most of all, we need to be involved in our church. Listen, Satan wants nothing more than to get his foot in that door to this church. And every time it's open, he'll try to get in. We need to pray, work together, be one in God, one in Christ, one in our Lord to keep Satan from out of this church. Because if he has the opportunity, if he can get in with gossip and slander or laziness or any of these other relationships, he'll be right there. You know, we see the devil as this comic character with the long red tail and the pitchfork and, and the horns on his head. We see it as a comical character that does no harm. And that's exactly what he wants you to see. But it's not the case. He is powerful. He is strong. He tempts you on every turn. 
He will tempt you in everything that you do. And in all our modern advances and technical advances, Satan has not changed his ways in all these centuries. He's using the same old tactics he used on your parents, your great-grandparents to tempt you. The same thing worked on them and it's working on us. We need to stay in prayer, stay with each other. We face obstacles to grace in our lives, but God always provides us with his strength to overcome them. And now in closing, by the way, you know what it means when a preacher says now in closing? It means I'm going to preach for at least 30 more minutes. <laughs> Don't get too excited, I say. But God always provides us a way out. But it's our decision whether we want to leave those obstacles there to hinder us or we to allow our faith in God, let him destroy them and overcome us. It's our decision. We do not have to seek for God. He is there. He is here in our presence. He is always with you. Simply turn and recognize and accept Christ as your Savior. If there's anyone here today who has not received Christ as their Savior, this would be your time to come forward. If you want to come forward to pray, this would be your time. Will you join me in prayer? Lord, we thank you for this church family. We thank you, Lord, for each person who is here. Lord, I am truly grateful that you brought Deborah and I to this church. I pray, Lord, that we will continue in unity. I pray that we will continue to uphold each other as we praise you, Lord, and honor you and worship you. We pray, Lord, for your mercy and grace. We pray that you will give us a heart and soul to do those things that you call us to do. Bless us now, Lord, as we go our way and bring us back at the next appointed hour. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.